This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. That's Israeli pop star Ishai Rebo on the stage in Washington on Tuesday at the March for Israel. He was reciting lines from the 121st Psalm, I lift up my eyes to the hills, and he who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. Rebo was among the star-studded lineup for what's being billed as the largest gathering of Jews in U.S. history. An estimated 300,000 turned out on the National Mall. Speakers included families of Israeli hostages, evangelicals, U.S. TV commentator Van Jones, actor Deborah Messing, Israel's president Isaac Herzog via video link, and Israeli politician Natan Sharansky, plus U.S. lawmakers Chuck Schumer, who's the Jewish Senate majority leader, and Mike Johnson, the new non-Jewish Republican Speaker of the House of Representatives, he got loud cheers when he told the crowd that calls for Israel to agree to a ceasefire with Hamas are outrageous. Now, the goal of this march was to support Israel, urge for the release of the 240 hostages, and to fight back against raging anti-Semitism that has spiked both here in Canada and around the world since October 7th. There have been pro-Israel rallies in Canada since then in most major cities, but the nearly 2,000 Canadians who decided to take their cars or buses or planes and come to Washington for this one say they needed to be here for Israel, but also for themselves. There was a lot of visible um, Jewishness all around us, pride for Israel, connection to Israel and Jewish symbols. Um, Absolutely. Today was a day where we felt totally... um, strengthened in our show of visible, you know, connection to to the Jewish community and to Israel. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, November the 15th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. I personally didn't go to the march myself, but I did watch it. And if you want to see the live stream, we've put the recording for you in our show notes. Meantime, those who did make it include MPs Yara Sachs and Anthony Housefather, human rights campaigner and former special anti-Semitism envoy Erwin Kotler, rabbis, Hillel students, high school students and Federation officials, as well as officials from CJA. A lot of private citizens came in their own cars or they flew. From Toronto, UJA Federation helped organize dozens of buses and planes to take about 1,500 people to attend. There would have been more but two early morning flights got cancelled literally at the crack of dawn Tuesday, stranding several hundred passengers at the airport who had paid $1,000 for their seats. We spoke to several Canadians throughout the day from many parts of the country, starting with Susan Osher, a Toronto psychotherapist. She boarded a bus late Monday night together with members of her Share Shemayim synagogue and her mother, Avis Osher, and her niece, Dani Shkolny. We've just had shakrit and um, had breakfast at a parking lot, <laughs> and we're all very excited to be arriving. Okay, let's take a step back and describe. You're wearing an Israeli flag around your neck. Tell us why. Because there's been no doubt we were attacked. 
and no doubt Israel is threatened. And I think that despite having to come to terms with being dissatisfied on both sides, we were definitely the victims. And I think we have to take a side, 100% for sure, and be able to say we stand for Israel and gratitude to America for supporting us. And I want to show that support. Um, Susan, tell me what motivated you personally to get so involved in this standing for Israel, both here on the bus and in Toronto? Well, I believe that um, what happened on the 7th of October, I think for all of us Jews, no matter how far we are from Israel, just hit us in the guts and um, went from a place of real hopelessness and fear to realizing we have to do something about it and I I guess I didn't realize what an activist I was and um, that that gave us gave me the drive to do whatever I could so we have put up 4,500 ribbons on poles on railings all around the city um, in Toronto as part of the ribbons blue ribbons for Israel for freeing the hostages, we've been to rallies, and this feels like an unbelievable extension of that. I'm absolutely thrilled to be a part of this very historic march, and um, to also say thank you to the Biden administration to to be supporting us while it feels like the world. Um, is really against us and the the rise of anti-Semitism is quite horrifying. So being able to be also on a, I guess, a, a somewhat selfish level, um, we're going, we're, I'm just very, very um, excited to be part of that unity. We see it in Israel of people coming together and doing farming and sorting clothes and donating. But um, I think in some ways we feel very alone in the the Galut, in the diaspora, um, knowing that this is happening and witnessing what's happening on campuses all around. And the world doesn't feel like a very friendly place. So I'm very happy to be part of hundreds of thousands of Jews to remind us that we're not alone. Why do you feel alone in Canada? And why do you have to thank the Biden administration rather than Canada? Well, Justin Trudeau has been really disappointing. I immigrated from from South Africa, from an apartheid state, to a place that I knew, knew right from wrong. And this has really stunned me that, um, you know, Canada couldn't immediately condemn it and call it terrorists and like, how, how do you have to be watching yourself in that just, you know, outright screaming that this is evil? And um, our government's been disappointing. Well, to be fair, they did and he did and it has right away. But uh, later it's kind of become more nuanced statements. So, yeah. Uh, Yes. Thank you for the correction. But it really definitely hasn't been. I mean, what was it? I guess in the in that beginning part that they gave 10 10 million um, dollars to to Israel. And in that same week, the Jewish the Jewish community raised five million. You know, then it was five million for each side. So it just felt like really is this all our country can do to support Israel, which is so at war with everyone, and we didn't start it. I think Danny wanted to ask that. 
just to go back to the question of kind of why um, I wanted to come to this rally is because there's so much happening on social media and there's so much activity, especially with my generation of people being activists and people um, feeling like they're informed to comment. And in a way that you kind of feel lonely without your community, social media can feel like a very scary place right now. And I do think it's so important that as much as posting and kind of spreading information and showing your support for Israel to get a, off your phone away from your screen and to be present, be with a community and stand with your people and really um, support and fight for what you believe in and being around thousands of people supporting Israel. Um, it's such a unique, special experience that I'm going to be able to experience. And it feels like a very dark time right now and the world feels, um, I feel waves of hopelessness. And I really just hope standing in this crowd, we kind of get a new wave of unity and hope and kind of feel connected to our identity around the people that we're, we're a part of. For their part, Montreal sent a couple of hundred people to the march, including Rabbi Ruben Pupko of Beth Israel Beth Aaron Synagogue and Gail Edelson Markovitz, the national chair of Sija. They missed the first part of the rally because they were all stuck on the Washington subway system because law enforcement authorities felt way too many people were arriving at once, and so they ordered the subway service stopped for crowd control. How many people came from Montreal? Uh, we've had, I mean, altogether probably around three, 400. So who came from the Montreal Jewish community? Well, it's a, a complete spectrum of the community. There are young people, older people. We have students. Uh, really, the entire spectrum of, of, of Jewish life is represented here. Of course. Of course, we're talking as the Montreal Jewish community is being targeted by repeated acts of anti-Semitism, the likes of which the city has not seen. What does it mean to you to leave Montreal in the middle of all of this and go to Washington? It was certainly a difficult decision because uh, things in Montreal at this moment are uh, are difficult. I mean, we've had attacks on uh, synagogues and schools. We've had attacks on our students in Concordia. And we've been meeting with them and with the police at all levels of government. Right. But then you said it was a hard decision. So why did you decide this was an important thing you needed to be at? Uh, you know, I think there are certain moments in Jewish history where we just have to show up. And today is one of those times. We have to show up. You're doing this in Washington. Why not do it in Canada? What's needed in Canada? Why? It's sort of a, it does, it's a disconnect, right? Listen, we've had rallies in all these major Jewish communities across Canada. Washington is the capital, not just of the U.S., but of the world. And it was important for all the Jews of North America to come together uh, in where, where most important decisions are being made and where our influence is most needed and most consequential. So Washington, D.C. is the logical place. Okay, let me ask you, what message do you hope that the, the rally does for our audience back home here in Canada. Listen, the main purpose of a rally is to demonstrate uh, the, the support uh, that Israel enjoys, uh, not just in the Jewish community, but the broader community. But a benefit of this rally is also a great morale boost to, um, to uh, reinforce the message to all of our own people that we're not alone, that we have a lot of friends, that the Jewish community is united, and through that unity there is great strength.
Okay, let me speak to Gail. Yep. Why did yep. you decide you had to be here? I think it's important for us to stand together as a large community, as a, a community from across North America to show our support, our solidarity, and to insist that our, our hostages be brought home. Do you feel at all uh, in any danger or security issues, or is this uh, reassuring to you? Like, how, how is it there when, what, what did you see? Was there a lot of police? What have you? Well, there's a strong police presence, and there's absolutely nothing that feels threatening at all. A far cry from what it's like to live in Montreal at the moment. It's um, very different than what it's like to live in Montreal. Unfortunately, we're witnessing uh, aggression and uh, and violence on our streets, which is not uh, a value of uh, as Canadians that we hold dear. Canadians do not accept importing the violence from the Middle East into Canada, and we stand for a peaceful resolution and the return of our hostages. Why did you feel that you could leave what's going on there to come? What was what was so important to you to be here? I think it's really important that we, we come together as a community, and I think it's inspirational for all of us to be here and to see the power that we have together and the strength that we have to change what is going on today in, in Montreal and in Canada. And being here together with tens of thousands of Jewish people all asking for the same thing is very um, an important, powerful moment for all of us. It's like a psychological boost in a dark time. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm not a therapist, but I imagine it must feel like that. That's what I'm hoping. We're on our way, and I'll let you know when we're done. But that is what I hope it does for everybody here. Particularly for our students who are really embattled on campuses right now. And it's very, very difficult for them. They are, they are, they are facing every single day. It's like going to war when they go to school. Tuesday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu who scolded Justin Trudeau on social media after earlier in the day Trudeau had called for Israel to, quote, use maximum restraint, unquote, to protect civilians in Gaza. Toronto oral surgeon Jacob Rifkind and IT specialist Akiva Spiegel, also of Toronto, came by bus. They hadn't seen the political dispute when I talked with them, but they are definitely angry about what they feel was Canada's pulling back from its original unequivocal support for Israel right after the October 7th massacre. Okay, so what motivated you to do this? Take Go without sleep on a bus all the way to Washington and back in like 36 hours? Um... I, I guess the only way to say it is October 7th. Like, the the, the horror that we saw um, on Simchat Torah when, like, essentially it was a second Holocaust, and then what's happened in the United States, Canada, Europe, like, the Jewish community has been assaulted um, and is being treated like criminals when we are, in fact, the victims in this, and we need to show our support and stand with Israel. Okay, but you could do that from Toronto. Why not? Why go to all the way to the USA to do this? I wouldn't say it's going all the way to the U.S. To me, it's like wherever there's any way that we can support Israel at this point in time, we need to do it. Like the Toronto rallies have, I don't know, a couple thousand people. This is like, this was Jews from all over the United States, the largest Jewish community in the world. The United States is by far Israel's biggest supporter. Um, I, I think. Canada's and the Canadian response to this has been shameful and I as a Canadian I'm extremely disappointed in Canada and I think that we needed to you know send a message to the world that we stand with with Israel and we stand with those who support Israel as well. What do you mean by shameful? Trudeau came out and condemned it immediately. They've given money, they've given um, some votes in the United Nations. Every time Canada speaks or Justin Trudeau speaks, he talks about Islamophobia first. 
Um, he talks about needing for a ceasefire. No, he never said that. He said humanitarian pause. He, he didn't say ceasefire. His minister of foreign affairs did. Okay, but th that's his government. So he's not saying it, but his government is saying it. Like the, the government speaks with one voice, and if he doesn't say it because it's, it's different for him to say it, then he sort of puts out the, the bad behavior to someone in his government to say. To me, there's no difference if, if a minister says it in the Liberal Party, high-ranking minister, or whether or not it's him. It's the same thing. Thank you. I appreciate that. When you guys got there and you've experienced it, give me the one, each of you, one, uh, one example of what sticks out for you the most having been at this rally today. Tell me who it is first. <laughs> Sorry, it's Akiva. I'd say the, the most impactful thing for me was, was actually seeing the students. What they're going through is something that I wish I would be able to defend on a daily basis or just when I was in school. You know, we'd love to see that support. Um, wasn't nearly as horrific what's going on now as what, uh, you know, the, some of the anti-Semitism on campus when I was in school. So that was one. But the other thing was hearing the, the parents and the relatives of the survivors it's just so inc incredibly impactful. Um, it's, it, it just hits home. Um, could be any one of us. And these are kids who are parents or who have kids who grew up in the U.S. right across the border from us, and they were taken away from their families. Uh, and, and they don't know what's going on, what's happening. As one of, uh, one of the, uh, the, survive, the hostages' mother said, they're, they're being buried alive in Gaza right now. Who was there? Was that Hirsch and, and his parents? Or Rachel Goldberg, Hirsch's mother. But what about you, Jacob? What was the most impactful or scene that sticks with you? The biggest thing for me is, since this whole thing started, is feeling, a feeling of isolation, feeling very alone. And, you know, walking around the rally, there's people who come. There was a Korean contingent. There was Christian contingents. Um, there were lots of people who were not Jewish. There was Iranians who were there. And the Iranians actually in Toronto have been very outspoken and very supportive of all the, all the rallies that I've gone to um, and seeing that we we truly are not alone in this and there are other people who recognize that this is this is evil and this evil needs to be fought when in the long years in prison I was told again and again that I am alone as part of the rally former Russian prisoner of conscience, Ned Sharansky, spoke to the crowd about his time in solitary confinement about 50 years ago and how the last time Jewish people rallied like this was to free Soviet Jews like him. Here's a bit of what he said. Because they, you, you're bringing so much love and so much strength. This picture of one Jewish fighting family was always in my head. This clearness that as long as we all stand together and fight together, we will win. Is that what gives us hope today in Israel? Sharansky's message made a very strong impression on 15-year-old Adin Bendadapel from Toronto's Tannenbaum Chat High School. He and his mother, Yael Bendadapel, flew to Washington, and they spoke to me as they were trudging through the airport in Washington, ready to catch a flight home. This was just, you know one chance to go outside of the Toronto community and be part of something. Um, I, like, I think the number I've heard is 300,000 people were there and um, very, very powerful. Also a historical place. You know, Natan Sharansky spoke today and a lot of people talked about the memory of the rally there for um, in support of Soviet Jewry. So, you know, there's just lots of lots of powerful moments.
think about it. Canada has uh, 400,000 Jews and you were with 300,000 Jews and allies. Yeah. So it was so powerful to see just so many Jews come, come, come together like with unity to all for like all for the state of Israel, all for the Jewish people in a time where it's so hard. And sometimes you could feel like it's, it's hard to be Jewish right now. You could, you could feel that way. It's important. It's important to have that connection with the Jewish community. And like, that's why it was so important for us to go is to, is to see all the other Jews, to see everyone that's here because of our religion, because of our beliefs, because of Eretz Yisrael. Like that's a memory I'll have forever. It's just seeing the connection between all these, all these people that I share an amazing beliefs with. It's really special. I, I, would, I would say, even, even with the diversity of the Jewish community, and that was really something that was present, you could feel that there were all different stripes of um, members of our Jewish community, you know, people from poli different political affiliations and different religious orientations and, and um, perspectives on what's going on. But the, the message was loud and clear. We support Israel. Um, we want the hostages released now. And um, nothing's more important than us being able to show up that we oppose anti-Semitism, we oppose hatred, we believe in Israel's right to defend itself. Um, we are there for for the people of Israel, for the for the state of Israel, and um, get the hostages out of Gaza. Understood. Okay. Before we go, um, one quick takeaway that well, besides the numbers and just the psychological thing of being with the people, one anecdote or one somebody that spoke uh, Adin quickly that remains with you. I think Natan Sharansky. My mom touched on it a tiny bit. That was really powerful. Just to think about all he went through in, in, the, Soviet, in the Soviet jail just because he was Jewish. To come here, to show, like, to come, again, with 300,000 Jews, to show that even though, like, for nine years it was so dark and he was told over and over again that the Jewish people won't have a homeland, to come and see where we are today, that was so powerful. That was an extremely moving, moving part of the part of the ceremony and just to see that with my own eyes and realize like no matter what the Jewish people will always live and nothing can stop that that was really really powerful one scene one vision one performer um, or something you know what there was um a lot of beautiful music, Israeli music, Jewish music, um, musical prayers for the Chayle Tzahal, the Israeli um, Defense Forces. It was just really, um, I, th I think that bringing that musical element connects people, touches people emotionally, um, and also helps people connect on that sort of like cultural um, level, which was just really, really powerful. That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, and we're sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. We'll end the show with a bit more from the Washington March. This is Israeli singer Omer Adam performing a stirring rendition of Hatikva. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.